0: Last Tuesday for me was real easy. What I'm gonna to do today is very challenging because time, I've got a time issue today. And, and the problem is all of you weren't here last Tuesday. I thought about saying, how many of you weren't? Don't do it, don't raise your hand. And it would kind of tell me how much I need to review. And I thought, well, you know, that, but I'll just have to condense, really condense the story I told last Tuesday about preaching Uh, at the Black Church in Memphis, Tennessee, at at an evangelism conference back in the 70s. And uh, it was an experience that really I shall never forget, and I learned some great lessons uh, uh, from that. Now, interestingly, at the end of the service here last Tuesday, when people were leaving, several people, more than normal, asked me uh, the same question. And here's the question they asked me. And these people weren't standing next to one another. So they didn't hear what everybody else had asked. They said, what did you preach at that black pastor's conference? You never did mention that. And I said to each one of them, that is my Tuesday Bible lunch next Tuesday. So you're just gonna have to live another week. That's the whole deal. Well, now, now, you know, let me, I can't tell the whole story, take that that's a long story, but be that as it may, I shared back in the seventies, of course, I was in my thirties back in the seventies and I had been invited to go over and I accepted it like a year in advance and didn't pay much attention to it. And when I saw what I'd accepted, it kind of frightened me to think that I was, in fact, the letter said, what we want you to do is come over and stir these people up. Well, let me tell you something, folks. You don't need a white preacher to stir up a bunch of black preachers. They're already stirred up. Well, I tried to get out of it and couldn't. The guy said, you gave us your word and you need to come. I did. And I got there. And of course, now I'd been in black services before. Their worship, now it's changed some, but, but m- much hadn't. But I mean, like their services are very, very long. Most of our members couldn't take it. They couldn't take it they They take up i mean I've watched this they take up offerings very differently than we do in many of the black churches the The people come by and drop their offering gifts in the in the plates here to front. And what makes that interesting? the pastors stand there watching it now see i'd i'd have I'd have many members leave my church over that all right well, they do it different, but anyway, I got over there as I told last week and It was just a really long service, but there was this black godly man in charge who I I learned very quickly just by observing, wonderfully respected by all the community. Like there's more than just this one church in this meeting. The building just full of people, but they were from a lot of different churches. And evidently they knew this guy, they had great respect for him. And he, he just by his godly demeanor and presence, he had control of that room in a wonderful way. Lots of music, lots of music. And I had a program, a long program. And I'm looking down here where I am on this program, thinking, great day. People will be worn out before I ever get there. Well, no, they weren't worn out. They were, they were warmed up by the time I got there. Well, this lady and I told it last right before I was to preach. They had this lady that could sing the stars down. I mean, this lady could sing, and she's singing the stars down. And I'm just sitting over my chair, nervous, thinking I'm next, and I, you know I'm going to be a letdown. This thing has been unbelievable. Well, when she finished, as I started to get up, this this black man that's in charge, big tall man, he just had the Shekinah glory of God all over. It. He, he walked to that Taking He's a big old tall man taking these long steps. And the people were just, all, you know, they were in the spirit. He didn't say a word. He just looked at them until there was a great hush that came over that room. He, he didn't speak a word until it was total silent. He realized the power of Silence. And when they got completely quiet, now I'm over here trying to figure out what's happening because this is not on the program. <laughs> the program said, I'm after the lady that sings. Well, he's up there. And I thought, what, what do we do? And he bowed his head and he started saying those words. Jimmy just saying, yes, yes, yes. And each yes got a little deeper and the guy had a tremendous voice. And I'm over here just completely confused. Well, after about four or five yeses, all the people began to say they got chanting yes with him, and and I didn't know what was happening. And finally, he he stopped, and the place got completely silent. And he bowed his head, and he said, "Now, Lord, I can still hear the guy saying this. Now, Lord, we've given you our answer. Tell us what is it you would have us to do." And he turned around. And said, now you preach. (laughs) Now, I'm going to tell you something that some of you, you just have to trust me. Unless you're a preacher, you won't understand this. Now, first of all, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, churches used to have a lot of revivals, a lot of evangelism conferences. They don't do that as much anymore. Well, back during those years, I preached on lots of stuff, probably too much stuff. But as you, and it wasn't in one area. You might, you might be in one state, you'd be in another state, you'd be in one part of the state, another part of the state. But you, you were just preaching in all these evangelism things. And those of us that kind of were involved in that, I, I know what I did, I don't know what the other guys did. You, you really had, and sometimes you'd preach a whole week's meeting, I can remember revivals used to be two-week revivals. Like Vacation Bible School, they call it, call it kids camp. Now, it used to be two weeks. If I announced we were going to have two weeks of kid camp, I'd have a, I'd have a rebellion going on here. The workers would shoot me dead. Uh, we've narrowed it down to four days now, but it just is what it is. But, but be that as it may, you, you, you just kind of had your few sermons that you preached a lot at these conferences and these meetings. They were kind of your sugar stick sermons. So you, all of us had them. Now you'd improve them, hopefully, you know, there'd be a little something, but the the structure would be the same. And we all have, now here's what happened to me. While this guy is up here saying, I'm, I'm in my chair and this guy's up here saying, yes, yes, yes. I felt the spirit of God say to me, don't preach what you plan to preach now. Have you ever noticed when God speaks to you, he can speak a paragraph in a split second. God can, like God can just communicate something. I mean, I know this sounds kind of mystic, but I'm just telling you what happened. I'm over here about to get out of my chair if this man ever sits down. And the Spirit of God just said to me, don't preach what you're going to preach. He said, preach the triangle sermon and use what he did at the end of it. Now, all this is happening in a matter of just seconds. Now, I knew the triangle. It's not like I had to get up the sermon. Like, I've preached that sermon endless times over the years. And what that sermon is about, and you'll see why I would use it in those things, and it fit that day really great. It's about God's way of reaching people. I mean, now, we have different methods, but God's way has never changed. And and here here's how I conveyed that. In your mind, it's going to be on the screen. Think of a triangle. Now just now, there's one. There's one on the screen. We have a triangle. Now this whole this whole idea that's in that sermon that I'd preached so many times and I preached that convention or that meeting over at the black church was like, I called it God's eternal triangle. And, and the way you remember, and it, it's just as up to date in 2023 as it was in, in the 70s and 80s. See, God's the same yesterday and day and forever. Could I have an amen to that? And here's what we just need to keep in mind. Here's, here's all you need to do to reach people. Remember, at the top of that triangle, you have a gracious God. And then over in the left bottom of that triangle, you have seeking sinners. Now, you never know who they are, but the Spirit of God, is amazing, will be working in people's hearts and, and, and deal with them and maybe others at that time. Maybe he's not working their heart or, they, or they're not listening to what God says. And all else that's needed is over that other triangle, and that's called willing workers. That's it. Now, that's the outline of that whole sermon. Always remember there's a gracious God. In fact, if I were talking today to young preachers, I would say to them, look guys, I know it's a new day and I know all this stuff, but I'm telling you something, this works. Now you have to figure out how to make it work in your church, but this works. Remember there's a gracious God and there are always people he's dealing with, seeking sinners, and all we need to do is be a willing worker. And when the gracious God deals with the seeking, pulls good. Now, let me show you that in the Bible. I didn't invent that. I, I may have kind of come up with a triangle deal, but it's it's right in Scripture. Look on page 974, and I'll have to. I won't be able to read much because uh, again, I, But I'll just show it to you. You can Go and get your Bible and look at it yourself. In Acts chapter 8, real quickly, if you look down in verse number 26, in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, we, we see a little story about a man named Philip going to this Ethiopian eunuch, and in this little brief story, you see that triangle. You see the gracious God, you see the seeking sinner, and you see the willing worker. Look, in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, says, this, now an angel of the Lord." Now, there's the gracious God, spoke to Philip. Now, there's the willing worker saying, arise, go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And he arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. Now, that's the seeking center. So, you know, you have the triangle right here. And then down in verse 29, the spirit said to Philip. There's the gracious God through the Spirit speaking to his willing worker, Philip. And, and, and you know the rest of this story. Time won't let me read all that because I don't look to other places. But what you have here, you just have a gracious God doing what? Finding a willing worker, connecting him with a seeking sinner, and you know the end of the story. Of course, he came to know the truth about God. Now, if you go over into Acts chapter number 9. Look in Acts chapter 9. We see the very same thing in Acts chapter number 9. If, if you look, for example, look around about verse number 10. Let's do that. Now, we're all familiar with uh, the conversion of old Saul of Tarsus and all, but, but let, me, let me show the big thing sometimes we don't pay attention to. In Acts chapter 9 in verse 10, the Bible says there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Now, this is about to be the willing worker. And to him, the Lord said in a vision. So the gracious God spoke to this willing worker named Ananias in a vision. And he said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. Now, this is a seeking sinner. You know, people say, Saul was saved on the road to Damascus. Well, that's when Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus, but we're picking up the rest of the story when we get in here. And if time permitted, I, I'd read all that very, well, read a little of it in verse 12. And a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And then the story just goes on. And of course, the end of that story is, that man who had been Christianity's number one enemy became Christianity's number one friend. Oh, Saul of Tarsus ultimately comes the apostle Paul. how did all this happen? A gracious God did what? He found, he, he was dealing with a seeking sinner, and he had a William worker, and that William worker connected, and that is what happened. Now look in Acts chapter 10. We have this triangle picture again. Now you won't read the word triangle, but, but in words, this is what's happening in Acts chapter 10. Now it is a long, long chapter, and I sure don't have time to read all of this chapter, but we'll just look at a verse or two. Verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Now here's the, here's the seeking center. He's over here in Caesarea. And in fact, we go to the Holy Land. Uh, Our very first stop in the Holy Land, our first day we're there, we go to Caesarea by the sea. And I always remember this story. And if we plane were to get there on time, if it's possible, we really start out when we get off the plane in Joppa. That doesn't work all the time, but like, like that's where Simon Peter was, we're gonna read about here in just a moment. The point I make is this, the gracious God found this seeking sinner and he gave, him, uh, he gave him a vision from an angel. And then when you go on and read, go down to verse nine, the next day as they went on their journey into the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. And he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while he was eating, he fell, he, he fell into a trance, kind of some kind of, and you saw heaven open. So the gracious God. He he's dealt with old Simon Peter and told him he was to go over to Caesarea to Cornelius and and you know the story. In fact, this is a this is the beginning of the gospel come to the Gentiles. It's an amazing chapter in the Bible. But the big picture of the chapter is so simple. We always have a gracious God. He's always dealing with seeking sinners. But the missing part is where you and I fit in. The missing part is to be. Willing workers, and it is a glorious, wonderful thing to realize. Now you know that—that's what I preached over there, and then what I did with that sermon. You, I really believe this is why God spoke to my heart and said, "Change your sermon." I went back to what that black man of God had done with that yes, yes, says, and and I—I I let that be the conclusion of of what I did preach. Now. All that's in Memphis in the 70s. Now, we're in Texas today and we're in 2023, but the truth is still the truth. You know, I often think, I like in this room right now, just think what would happen. I, I'm assuming everybody in this room is a Christian. If not, you probably say I went to lunch at the wrong place. Okay, but, but I, I would almost hope. Well, if not, I pray nobody leave that's not sure they're Christian. But but let's just assume here in the church on Tuesday lunch, room full of people. Now, we've got a big old bunch of people here today. This is a good crowd. Then I, I look on Sundays. I see all these people. You, you all, Think about your church if you don't go to our church. Like, why don't you go to our church? I don't understand it. But anyway, <laughs> this looks like everybody. But I understand there's other good churches. There's probably other better churches. I understand all that. Okay. I'm okay with that. I can handle that. But. I'm going back to my room here. Just think what would happen in this room if in this room today, if each individual person, like if we had a quiet time like the black black preacher, if I just said, okay, now what we're going to do, we just got total silence and we're just going in a moment, we're going to bow our head and we're going to say, Lord, yes, that's my answer. Now tell me, what is it you would have me do? Now you think about that a moment. Like, I think we don't understand. Christ, we are an army, an army of believers. And we live in a world that's all messed up. And we think the solution is Washington. No, the solution is God. But you can't say that in Washington because we've put him out, you know. I mean, we many of us grew up saying the Lord's Prayer every day in school. Now you can't even say the Lord's Prayer in school. And I won't get off on that. But put all that aside. But here's the deal. If, if every one of us that's a believer would just say to God, you know, I said this about 30 minutes over a while ago, I'd finished up preparing a funeral, I'm preaching in the morning and, I'd done several other things and I went back and looked at this again and then I read some more of my Bible reading and then I had a little blank time and I thought I'm just gonna kind of do what I'm about to preach. And I just said, you know, Lord, I'm gonna just share something personal. Now, don't burst out clapping but you can bring me a gift if you want to. <laughs> Sunday, I'll be 82 years old. Amen. Sunday, thank God. Well. Well, no. Well, don't clap yet. I hadn't gotten there. Okay. <laughs> but I was just thinking. I was just thinking. I was over a while ago thinking, I thought, you know, I need to do kind of what I might to talk to the people about. I'm 82 come Sunday. Father's Day, my birthday falls on fire. Boy, that's a loser. <laughs> I mean, how are they going to celebrate my birthday? Birthday and Father's Day all together. Well, I don't know. But here's what I kind of prayed to God this morning. I said, now Lord, I'm very excited. You know, I'm blessed and you're blessed. I thought, Lord, you know, I just need to give you a fresh yes and say, Lord, my answer is yes. Now, you just tell me what is it you want me to do the rest of the way of my journey. And I make a commitment to you, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. Now, I'm not doing that to say, hey, look at me. I'm just saying that to say, hey, we could all do that. I need to do it more. I need to do it every day. We probably all do. Just every day, get up and say, God, like the old black preacher in Memphis, yes, yes, yes. Now, Lord, I've given you an answer. Tell me what it is today you'd have me to do. I'm going to tell you something. They may... There are enough people in this room, if we made a commitment like that, we could make a difference for God. Could I have an amen to that? Amen. Lord, you know, we, we do a lot of, we plan this and we plan that and all, but and we, we, should, we, should, we should plan and try, but, but God, better than that is to discover how we can be a willing worker for what you have for us. I just pray, God, that somehow today even, the old Memphis story, it stayed with me a long time. I never will forget it, I guess, never have. It, it, you know, I went over to be a blessing. I was blessed. I learned more, and that preacher, from that black preacher, in that meeting, it's it, 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 it just made a difference in my ministry the rest of the way, because, God, the fact is, I've never known the rest of the way. I never even thought about I didn't even know where Pasadena was, you was off down here near Houston somewhere, but the, I look back on my whole journey. I, I've never been anywhere where I knew where it was. But God, th- that's not our business. Help us each individual as Christian people every day. Just say yes, Lord. Now you, you've heard my answer. Tell me what is it you'd have me do today, and then may the power of the Holy Spirit enable us to do it. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.